January 2nd, 2023. Chad Adams, your host, sitting in for Pete Callender. I know Pete's going to be all energized after a little time off. Be back to just take over the mic and just lead you guys through 2023 with his... Uh, his style and his way, and a fantastic radio broadcaster. It's been an honor to know Pete over the past, I don't even know how many years now. It's a decade at least. But uh, you guys are lucky to have him. WBT, best radio station in the state, I believe, with respect to talk and tolerance. And you really measure tolerance not by shaming somebody or attacking somebody. You know, you, you, you allow folks to talk. People that call this show, Pete allows them. I've heard it many times. You allow guests. The honor, not the it's not the honor to speak, the right to speak and be heard. That's that's the beauty of talk radio. It's it's timely and it's topical. So things take place in real time about things that are in real time. It's not like it's not like your 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 typical TV show, which is one it's one direction. It's a bunch of opinions being thrown at you, and it's not like newspaper, which is everything confined to about six hundred words for an opinion piece, a little longer for a story. But you see in these stories when you read them, so many questions are missing. And here, what's great is if I say something, or Pete, or or Vince Coakley, or, or anybody, Winterbull, they say something, folks can challenge that, they can agree with that, they can call in at 704-570-1110, 570-1110, here at News Talk 1110, 99.3, you're a part of the conversation in real time. So when we went to the break, I was talking about this Alexander Titler quote, it's attributed to him. Some people think, uh, you know, Alexis de Tocqueville said it, uh, others, it, it, it just any number of folks could say it, but we... We go through this all the time um, in our heads about where are we as a nation. And, you know, his quote essentially says that if you're out there, our kind of way of governing, we're, we're a democratic republic, but a democracy can only exist till folks realize I can vote for folks that give me crap. I can vote for folks that will take money away from certain people and give it to others, including me, and I'll vote for those people. You wonder why the Democrats did well in a bad economy. That means the people who return so many Democrats to office and return so many Democrats to Senate seats actually gained. They gained a seat in the Senate. The reason is because they believe those people are going to give them more. If you're if you're the part of society that believes in self-reliance and and, and, and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or that capitalism is the way to go, you don't vote for Democrats. You, you just can't because they're not a party that advocates for that. They think that that's greedy. They think that that's wrong. But so if you believe and if you know that people are voting for the left so they can get more stuff, then you're kind of in this trajectory that doesn't end well for a country like ours. We go through, here's the process. And most now, most people, and not all, but most people that are looking at the trajectory of various civilizations through time say this is what goes on. You go from bondage to spiritual faith. It's only This is very biblical, by the way. From spiritual faith to courage. Now, you would say from bondage to spiritual faith, kind of the beginning of the country where people escaping what they felt was bondage with respect to spiritual faith. Um, they, were, they, were, they felt like they were encumbered by Great Britain. They had spiritual faith from spiritual faith to great courage. So they went from that spiritual side of saying, you know what, we're going we're gonna to break loose. We're very courageous. From courage to liberty. From that, that act of courage to a company endowed by the Creator with many liberties. And from liberty to abundance. And we've gone over the next 200 years, we went back a little bit at one time with the Civil War, then forward through two world wars to amazing abundance. Through the 80s, abundance. And after that, you could say that some of the 80s and starting through that, we became somewhat selfish. Now, where are we between selfishness and apathy? That's the next step from, from abundance 
to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy. Now, you could look at the decline. I could say, and again, this is me. You're welcome and entitled to your own, obviously. I'm, I'm just passing along information. Is if you look at the decline in, in, in church memberships, because going to church isn't just about spirituality. That's a community. Uh, churches help a lot of other folks. If you look at volunteerism in your community, look at the organization. When I was a county commissioner uh, for, for two terms back in the late 90s, early, early 2000s, what amazed me was the number of people that we were appointing. To, there were two things. People that were being appointed to boards and commissions, volunteering their time. They weren't getting paid. It was often the same 35, 40 people in the community. You have a community of 60, 80,000 folks, and you have 50, 60, 80 that are willing to serve on, serve on boards and commissions. That's part one. Part two were the number of volunteer organizations that were coming and begging for money, for taxpayer money, rather than going out in the community and raising it. Now, you could say they were being lazy and not raising their own money, or you could also say that people weren't giving the same because they feel that government's doing it. Government's doing so much that they don't have to give. So at that point, are, are you? is it selfishness to apathy? Because I think that's where we are. I think there's we're in we're in the selfishness to apathy, apathy to dependence. Somewhere in there, we've had abundance. We're now kind of becoming more selfish, and I think the the technological age is really ushering even more selfishness in. There are good people. And again, this isn't everybody. There are many great people that aren't selfish that are very giving, that are kind, decent folks. But apathy is the death of a society like ours when people just don't care. They tune it out, they're tired of the hate, they're tired of being called names, and they don't realize the damage. These leftist groups, these leftist groups that thrive and only survive based on hate, that the country's racist, that they're sexist, bigot, homophobe, that there's a there's a the plague of whiteness, whatever. From selfishness to apathy, from apathy when you just don't care to dependence. Because right now, we're in so many trillions of dollars in debt and adding more to it, and that's apathy. That's just plain out apathy. The folks in D.C. don't care. And then from dependence, back into slavery, back into bondage. So don't think that, that we're not headed in that direction. Unless there's a massive court, you know, a correction, a course correction, this country is in serious trouble. Other countries are too. We're not alone. But that's a serious one. Now, to talk about this selfishness, apathy, apathy, dependence, I'm going to tie it in in a very strange way. Because we went uh, Thursday, we were going to the, you know, I said at the end of the show, go pack. I'm a big, a big Wolfpack fan. Oh, well, not big. I, I, I followed NC State, but we're, the beautiful thing about being an NC State fan is you're accustomed to losing. You're accustomed to losing big games. You're accustomed to just not winning. That That's something that went away kind of in the 80s uh, the, in, in, after Valvano in football and maybe Dick Sheridan in, in I'm sorry, uh, Valvano basketball, Dick Sheridan, some others in football. We have a modicum of success. We end up making a bowl game, but never a serious challenge to the top 10. Never, And even in a bowl game, there's an odds on. It's more than just odds. We're likely going to lose it as we did against Maryland. But Gary Hahn, I've listened to Gary Hahn for 30 years. Gary Hahn, the voice of the Wolfpack. So he made a statement in the broadcast. I want you to talk about the lack of tolerance from folks. He made a statement that is true, by the way, what I'm about to share with you is absolutely true. There was nothing, and this is me. This is not WBT. This is me saying it. This is not the staff or management of WBT. Let me excuse that. But Gary Hahn, North Carolina radio broadcaster, was suspended indefinitely after a 30-year career. 
He's been the voice of the Wolfpack. He has been uh, broadcaster of the year on, on several times. He was the North Carolina sportscaster of the year in 2011. He was in 2020. He's been the voice of uh, state NC State football and basketball since 1991. What he said was, and it's true and it's funny. It's funny, sad, funny, wry, ironic. He said, uh, during the broadcast of the Maryland Terrapins NC State Duke Mayo Bowl, he said, hey, down among all the illegal aliens in El Paso, it's UCLA leading pit. Now, El Paso, for those who are, for the five people that have been living under a rock for the past three years, there are thousands and tens of thousands of folks coming across the border. We've had five million incursions across our border for folks. The left calls them, but what if he had said undocumented? But they are illegal. They're in a state, their status is illegally in the country. Down among the illegal aliens, they came across illegally. There are thousands and thousands and thousands. It's true. It's pithy. It's kind of funny. He's suspended indefinitely. For that, Learfield Communications has suspended Wolfpack Sports Network play-by-play announcer Gary Hahn indefinitely following comments. Not comments, one comment. They said comments, but it was the one comment. Down among all the illegal aliens in El Paso. El Paso's governor, I mean, excuse me, El Paso's mayor is begging for help. Everyone's begging for help down there. The town, the city is overrun. I've been to El Paso before. It was a lovely place. Marty Robbins, I think someone wrote a song about it out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Lovely place. Inundated with illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. He made a comment. It's a true comment suspended. That's the society we live in. Who would want to be in any kind of public office when that's the level of tolerance you can expect? You kiss the ring. You, you, you adhere to. You bow down. Before you swear fealty to some kind of political correctness or your career, your 30-year career for a statement like that's gone. Meanwhile, we don't even know what was in Jeffrey Epstein's black book and who was there on the island. But that's okay. So, I was somewhat perplexed. A conundrum, if you will. A way in which to proceed down the path, not necessarily of enlightenment, but a path toward, and well... Your decision. Where was is it? Is it? Do I go down this path where it looks very dark, or do I go down a path where there's a lot of light? I'm an optimistic guy, but I love looking at what the political left is. If you saw 60 Minutes last night, they drug out a guy named Paul Ehrlich, population bomb Paul Ehrlich, who's wrong about so many things, and and it was the end of the world. It it is this this obsession with death. And if only we could get rid of about four billion of the eight billion on the planet, we'd be much better off. You know, that, that, that it's just the, the sixth extinction level event. It's over. There will be no more interesting wildlife anywhere. You're going to be gone. Gone. And you, you have to wonder what it would imagine yourself. And I know many people on the right get that way about Democrats in this country. I feel a little bit of that. It's, it's, it's a country worth fighting for. It's a country worth defending. It's worth getting involved and making a difference. But you have the reason it's worth making a difference is because you're an optimist because you want it to be better for your kids. You want it to be better for your neighbors. You want to have a country with the same value system in many ways that it's had. That's allowed it to overcome great obstacles, great obstacles. World war two was not an exciting time, doom and gloom for sure. But we felt in our souls at that time as a country, I wasn't there, but the soul of the nation, which has held the fabric of it together for 200 plus years that soul that fight and believes in itself in so many ways, it knew we could overcome 
a two-front war. Think about that. We were not the world superpower at that time. We were getting there, but we weren't there. And most of our Pacific fleet was, was encumbered after Pearl Harbor. We came back and defeated two superpowers. The, the Empire of Japan and Germany, because we felt we could, we felt we could over, we had that sense of optimism. And that's what many on the right, I believe, have. They're frustrated, they're angry, but it's not because they believe the end is near. They believe it's because we're, we're at a point every day where the fight continues. Whereas if you, if you were to buy in the prophetic left, the end of the country is at hand. It is at hand. We must. And if you look at those policies, which are very boring, <gasps> put you to sleep, make you yawn. Drive off a road. Don't do that. It's not with this beautiful day, especially. You you would think, well, what is it? They really believe their vision of the future is one where you're living in a mud hut, burning cow manure for, for heat. They, they know that solar and wind isn't going to get you to the promised land of energy production. It's just not. There's not enough land. There's not enough of that to do. To supply the energy they want as they go around recharging their cell phones and their Teslas, there's not going to be enough energy based on what they want to do. So the future to them is very bleak. In fact, if we just transferred enough wealth from countries who have it to countries that don't, in their mind, you'll raise the standard of living in those countries without reducing the standard of living in these, when honestly, you'll do both. Those countries' competition will make those countries stronger, not handouts. It just doesn't work that way. It just uh, you you don't make a country stronger by giving it stuff. It's very it's it's very biblical, teaching them how to become better, having trade with those. When two countries have a trade agreement, they they have a much better mutual interest in each other's success. There's there's less reason to have war or violence when you have trade. When you have capitalism flourishing between two countries, the 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 inherent good is that they want to both thrive and survive. But we're not we're not getting it. So anyway, I want to get to I, I, I now have gotten to where we're going to be at the bottom of the hour. And I'm going to be right in the middle of this, but I don't really care. CNN. So it's a it's an opinion piece by Stephen Collinson, just to give you an idea about the kind of doom and gloom and how that those on the left, they can't take their eye off Donald Trump, their obsession with Donald Trump. And you, most of the folks on the right want to move into issues, but the left is still stuck in Donald Trump world. So it's like their 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 piece, the piece that I'm getting into from them says five political trends that could make 2023 a momentous year. And so I'm thinking, okay, I want to read this. I want to see. It's a, it's a lefty piece. And it starts out, you know, with with this week, the, the GOP is going to take over um, the unprecedented possibility that former President Donald Trump, who's already launched another bid for the White House, could face indictment, could tear the nation further apart. So he's already in a Donald Trump right off, right off, right off the bat. Washington power shift. Washington is bracing for a sharp shock since November. The big story has been about the red wave that didn't get there, but the reality of divided government will finally dawn. Divided government from our perspective on the right, that's good. That means Washington doing less. We always benefit from that. A House Republican majority in which radical conservatives now have disproportionate influence. The left is never radical to them, by the way. The BLM burning cities down, that's not radical. It's not radical to have drag shows in libraries. That's not radical. It's not radical to be obsessed with gender-affirming surgeries. That's not radical to them. Conservatives are radical to them. Ironically, voters who disdain Trump-style circus politics and election denialism will get more of it. You keep going on down. The potential earthquake of a Trump indictment. These are, these are their view of the future. It's Trump, Trump. It's all Trump. If Trump were indicted, the uproar could be so corrosive that it's fair to ask whether such an action would be truly in the national interest. 
Yet if Trump broke the law, we have to do it. If a president can incite an insurrection and not be held accountable, and they're going with uh, Adam Kinzinger, who's now out of office, by the way, and it's already 2024. That's their next prediction for twenty for this year is about 2024. And it's Trump, 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 or Ron DeSantis. And then you go down after that, and they go to two other issues, which Democrats have made marginally worse. The world is getting more dangerous, which is their big thing for 2023. It is. Notice how the world wasn't nearly as dangerous when Trump was president. Now, whether you hate him or not, let's get away from Trump the personality to Trump the policies. And the policies, Ukraine didn't get invaded during those four years. North Korea is kind of isolated. It was pretty good. Energy independence reigning, economy doing well. The border was being more secure. There were a lot of good things. But now the world's more dangerous. The world's more Biden has his hands full. Never that Biden helped cause some of this. An alarming airborne near miss between a Chinese jet and the U.S. military jet over South China Sea. Yeah, they're, they're not afraid of us as much as they were. The economy on the brink. Another thing, the Democrats have ruined this economy. And the fiscal policies of the Fed, oh my God, added to it. It's just a layer upon layer of, of mud. We're being led by mud. <laughs> Welcome back. Still in hour two, the Pete Callender Show. First broadcast of 23. When we went to the break, I'd given you, and I'd looked... By the way, there are a variety. This is that time of year when everyone kind of looks ahead. We're, you know, 23, uh, 22 is in the rear view mirror, 23 looking ahead. Uh, of course, the media must be obsessed with the 24 presidential race because Donald Trump is involved in some way to them. So it, it, the obsession continues. But they're all of most of what they're looking at ahead is not optimistic. It, and it, it rarely is. I mean, it is when they get elected or something, but then after that, it's very much doom and gloom. I mean, the southern border issue is going to plague Democrats. It's even even Democrats that are being polled are, are kind of like, what the what the heck? They don't understand why their their own party seems to be deaf, blind, and mute to everything down on the border. It's as if it doesn't exist. The president flies down to St. Croix. Uh, they, you know, in, in an effort to combat climate change, they charter a private jet to to fly, or not maybe a government one, but still they, they spend. Yeah, thousands of gallons of fuel just to sign four pieces of paper for the president, thinking, but that's the kind of virtue signaling we see a lot, isn't it? They they say something, but they do something entirely. John Kerry's notorious for that. Jet setting all over the world in the name of climate change because he is the warrior. He's the one doing saving the planet. He's saving the planet by not setting a good example. We years ago this was a thing with Al Gore. And, and most folks don't remember this, but in Tennessee, utility bills are public information. So the intrepid folks at the Tennessee Public Policy Center uh, looked at, pulled up Al Gore's. He has a giant mansion over there because Democrats do very well in office. They become very, very wealthy somehow in public office. They always translate that into higher net worth. And his utility bills were the equivalent of like 200 homes. So he wanted you to turn the thermostat down or get solar panels. But his house was this notoriously inefficient, gigantic use of energy it was it was it was embarrassing, but they don't care because it's if it, it it is it is the new American royalty, the political left, the Nancy Pelosi showing you you know fifty four pints of ice cream in her mansion is new American royalty. That's royalty, and that's different. It's a, it's different when they do it. When Bernie Sanders has fifteen houses and screams about capitalism, it's different when they do it. It's different. 
But I do want to get to a kind of an optimistic piece. It's a piece about the new year that I think, uh, by the way, if you want to get on the conversation, it's 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110 here on the Pete Callender Show. Chad Adams, your guest host. Now, when conservatives tend to look ahead, and, and again, this piece, you're, some people are not going to agree with this, but I think it's a, it's an actually a pretty salient, not wackadoo piece. New, Amer- New Year's resolutions for a better America from Frank Meal, and uh, having met Frank a few times, very, very straightforward writer. He says, entering the new year, it is traditional to set goals and pronounce resolutions to improve ourselves during the next 12 months. Although these resolutions are more often honored in their breach than their fulfillment, they are nonetheless a useful tool to focus our attention on our weak points whether we have the fortitude to correct them or not, as I discussed earlier. Unfortunately, the people who use the new new need the most improvement are the least likely to take the time to do a, a moral inventory or any other kind that goes for the worst amongst us, sexual predators, drug dealers, gang members, thugs, and looters, as well as the most elevated, our elite politicians, the Wall Street wizards, talking heads, and corporate raiders. The former have no capacity for self-reflection. The latter have, in their estimation, no need for it. And so for a nation... We plod forward with little hope for improvement and no expectation that the coming year will be any better than the dismal one we just escaped. No wonder that current polling shows as much as 70% of Americans think we are headed in the wrong direction. I want want you to think about that. One party was in complete control. 70% of America thinks we're in the wrong direction. And yet they returned the Democrats to power in the Senate, gave them more power, an affirmation of Biden's leadership. Not a rejection, not a red wave. In the, in the House. So as a nation, we plot forward. 70% of folks think we're in the wrong direction. But what if our politicians actually did their jobs? What if they did that? An impossible dream. But here is a way to do that. Here's a roadmap, so to speak. And I'm truncating the article a bit to get to it. Number one. Number one, New Year's resolution for the country. We resolve to secure our border. Just as we protect our families by locking our doors at night and taking arms against anyone who comes into our house to harm our kids, so too must we stand ready to repel those who would destroy our culture, drag our children, and steal our treasure. Protecting citizens and legal residents from invasion, a good starting point. Gary Hahn also deserves to be rehired. He didn't do anything wrong. Gary Hahn, voice of the Wolfpack, by pointing out that we do have illegals in El Paso, somehow that's a fireable offense. It's true. Resolve to secure our border. Number two. We resolve to restore law and order. You can either start at the top or the bottom. First, let's recognize that our cities are not safe. Look at Charlotte. Two murders already, 109 last year. Let's recognize that the cities aren't safe, that our laws favor criminals over victims, and that the justice system has been perverted by outside money. Don't let looters loot. Don't let murderers kill. Don't let prosecutors ignore laws they don't like. And as for corruption at the top, let's clean out the Department of Justice, starting with a church-style commission to document the politicization of the FBI. So there's two. Number three, we resolve to stop spending money we don't have. You have to do that at a certain point. Your credit card bills get overwhelming. That's horrible debt, massive debt at high interest. It's horrible. But let's look at the country. Easier said than done in a country addicted to easy solutions, but essential to the continued existence. Our annual federal deficits are running in the three to four hundred billion dollar range. Our federal debt is thirty one trillion. Unfunded government pensions in cities, counties, and states are crippling localities and preventing them from hiring police officers, from maintaining their parks, from providing other basic civic services. Unless you want your grandchildren cursing you with every breath, now is the time to stop the madness. City halls, county commissions, states should be flooded with citizens that are up in arms about this proclivity for spending. 
it's out of control, and especially the national level. And wouldn't it be nice if Congress would pass a balanced budget amendment, let all of us vote on it, let it be part of our Constitution? Part of the Constitution, a new amendment to force the government to balance its books every year. Number four, we resolve to restore bodily autonomy. Now, this is where it starts getting sideways with many on the left. When you allow the government to control your medical decisions by mandating largely untested experimental vaccines, then you have surrendered the power of life and death to an agency that has no particular interest in your well-being. Do you really think? Now, again, it's one thing that's been means tested. This hasn't. These were largely experimental, forcing people to take things that were experimental. Not proven. Not unlike many other vaccines, by the way, that we know work. I know that one's a little muddy for some folks. Number five, we resolve to respect the nuclear family. Oh, this is where people will scream. I didn't say only straight families. How is it even possible that we have to make a special effort to restore the family to importance in American life? What nation, what society, what tribe has ever persisted while teaching children to dishonor their parents? There was not a single LGBTQ allusion in there. The point is, name one. Name a nation, name a society, name a tribe anywhere on the planet that ever succeeded teaching kids to dishonor parents. It doesn't exist. It just don't, it just don't happen. This isn't complicated. Not complicated at all. These are good New Year's resolutions. We resolve to follow the Constitution. If Congress only passed laws that were authorized by the Constitution and lived up to the expectation of our founders, then virtually every problem we face in this list would disappear. If the president stopped acting like a dictator, that would also help. Pretty simple. Don't go beyond it. In fact, why don't we not only do what the Constitution says, why don't we get rid of agencies that have no, no basis in constitutional foundations? Start getting rid of Department of Education. Let the environment be handled locally by states that can handle that. They're big enough. They can handle it. They can work together across state lines. Let the country defend us against intruders, foreign and domestic, enemies of the state. And finally, what's wrong within God we trust? Lord knows, trusting in politicians who think they are gods has led us to the edge of perdition. If we hope to remain a great nation, we'd better remember where our greatness comes from. If we don't know the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil, and don't have the wisdom to side with the laws of nature and of nature's God, as Thomas Jefferson put it, then our failure should come as no surprise to anyone. Pretty astute. Simple, not over the top. That's, that's no way, but see, the left would call that extreme radical right wing. It's none of those things. It's pretty much straight down the path. Straight down the path that makes us better, makes us a better country. Honor the motto, honor the Constitution, honor the nuclear family, keep bodily autonomy, stop spending money we don't have, restore law and order, resolve to secure the border. Whew. Straight path. Not complicated. Still shocked that Gary Hahn's been removed from the airwaves. Just and and the overwhelming support on social media, it gives me a little bit of hope. People are from all walks of, of life are, are outraged. People across the nation, as it as it becomes more uh, known that about his statement, which was a it was it was it was both funny and true about the illegal immigration situation in El Paso, Texas. Very brief, removed for that one like eight. Less than 15 words that were not racially insensitive. They were absolutely accurate and removed. A 30-year career vanished in an instant, blown away. That's that's not a tolerant society that 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 also allows free speech. 
that's one thing. If, if Learfield could come out and say why they were, what did they, what did he say that was inaccurate? They just said he's been suspended indefinitely. Not, not any clarity as to why. What, what did they say was inaccurate, or what did they say was wrong? He didn't use offensive language. He didn't. Uh, there was nothing insensitive about what he said. Nothing. Not, not a word. And yet removed. We are getting ready to be in hour three, but we're still in hour two here at the Pete Callender Show. Chad Adams, your guest host. You want to get on the conversation? It's nine. I'm sorry, seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten seven zero four five five seven zero eleven ten here at News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three. And uh, what a what a day it has been. Now, uh, as we get to the top of the hour, I do want to mention this because it, it is a national. I don't want to. I'm going to belabor this one too much. But my, we're looking at the Republicans have the votes they need to run Congress, the, the, the checkbook for the nation. They have the, the Republicans are in control. There are a, a handful of them because you need to get to 218 votes. Well, they don't have many to spare. So five Republicans are saying we just can't make ourselves vote for Kevin McCarthy. So McCarthy is in the process of passing along some concessions to say, okay, what do you want? And they're like, well, we want to be able to recall you if it gets out of hand. And so he's like, okay, you can recall me at any point in time, basically, that that the it, 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 uh, that they feel that things are out of hand, they can recall him. In other words, they can have a, a vote of no confidence. They can remove him as speaker and put someone else in. The problem for the five, there are multiple problems for the five holdouts, and that is that they don't have another candidate that can get the votes that, that are needed to change the direction of Congress. In other words, they can't. They don't have another candidate that can get those votes. And it's Representative Matt Gates, uh, Andy Biggs from Arizona, Gates from Florida, Matt Rosendale from Montana, Bob Good from Virginia. Those uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. That's four. But uh, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania also is in that list as well. So those are are some of the five. There have been others that have said they they have trouble voting for them, uh, and one of those is. From North Carolina, that's Dan Bishop. I mean, if you know Dan, and, and he's a congressman, and he is saying the problem with McCarthy is that he's not conservative enough for them, that he's not going to stand up to the special interest. He's not going to stand up to the wasteful spending. He's not going to stand up to Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer or Biden, that they feel like he's going to be too soft on these things. McCarthy finds himself in the crosshairs of conservatives. So it's going to be interesting. I think ultimately he becomes speaker, but I don't know how many more concessions he'll have to make to get that speakership. If he doesn't, it has happened before. I think it was in the 1850s, I think, that we had a couple months without a speaker. If there's enough derision out there and they can't come to an agreement, it could be a little chaotic. Nobody's setting the agenda. Who's going to be on the committees? Uh, the left, of course, is trying to stay really quiet because when your enemies are fighting, do you want to introduce yourself into that mess? They don't want to because there's nothing to be gained from them stirring the pot. And if anything, if the left starts stirring the pot, then it could unite Republicans against them. So they're just watching this train wreck. It's not a total train wreck yet, but we'll see. Today, it could be resolved. It could be going on for a couple of weeks or months, but we will see. I don't think the country benefits from being listless uh, after what happened in November, but uh, we will see. That's a big thing that's happening out there now. As we get to the top of the hour, there are a couple things in the last hour I definitely want to get to. And again, the the situation in Charlotte, the, it is a national story now that that uh, construction accident, three dead, two injured. It, it could change. And, um, you know, all, all Charlotteans are, are very concerned about that. The news continues to, to change on that. But we'll see. It was a horrible, horrible uh, construction accident that took place downtown. Now, over to some of these other pieces. And, and the Guardian has uh, a piece. They actually have. 
two pieces. And I think The Guardian, many British journalistic enterprises, I think sadly, because they, they have American writers and they cover our country, they cover it better and more honestly than many of the journalistic enterprises in our own country. And that's sad. When I watched the, the 60 Minutes piece last night, uh, there were two things that, that struck me. And one was the Paul Ehrlich piece about the end of the times, the end of the world, very dire. It's over, it's over, it's over. There was one little bit of optimism. He's actually a gentleman from Guatemala or from Mexico that's working in Guatemala as a way to, to subsidize farmers, not to cut things down. That was a little interesting. But the other piece was about weight loss and the obesity epidemic we have. And and it was almost, it was, it was, it was twofold. On the one hand, I, we do have an obesity epidemic that's leading us down the path of doom devastation with diabetes and several other things, very costly. And that's a lot of personal responsibility. But there's also the the two of the doctors they talked to were pushing back saying, hey, that's really because once you get to a certain size, your brain says, hey, I'm really good at being 280 or 300 pounds and I can keep you there. And there is a diabetic drug that is approved for use that actually one of the side effects is you lose weight. That same drug under a different name, and I'm not going to go into it, but the same drug by a different name, same drug company, is not covered because most healthcare plans look at that drug as a cosmetic drug and not one you need. But if you're diabetic, then you take it and you will lose weight. And it's just the, the piece was kind of a head nod to uh, it's not really your fault. And a lot of people who are trying to lose weight, they have that public shaming and a lot of uh, folks attack them. You're not exercising enough. You're eating wrong. A lot of that is true, but there's more to it than just that. So we'll see. I do want to get to the two pieces, and we'll do so in the next hour. And one of those has to do with stress. We know that stress is a cold, cold, hard killer. But stress also could be the key to healthy old age. Now, yes, you heard that right. I'm not, I'm not misrepresenting that. Why everyday stress could be the key to healthy old age. In other words, a healthy stress is part of the human condition. Without it, you're not necessarily getting better, stronger, or anything else. In fact, you could be getting much weaker. We don't think about that. And the other piece I, I want to get to is about Americans suffering from a social recession. We know after two years of lockdowns, we know after a decade of our kids being addicted to tech devices, decade plus, where does that leave us? In some ways, what, what's going on? What are we having less of? What are we doing more of? Very interesting piece. Right now, though, we need to kick it out. To the top of the hour, hour three, getting ready to be underway. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back after this on the Pete Callender Show. Thank you. 